2: Classic big interview. This season, we're going all the way back to 2019-2020. And we've picked out one of our absolute favourites. This is what I had to say about it back then. Welcome to another big interview. This time uh, brought to you from Sune in Sweden with the fascinating, eloquent and highly successful Sven Joran Eriksson. You may be able to hear the lapping of Lake Fruken in the background, because and Eriksson's palatial home is on the banks of this massive 93-kilometre-long stretch of water, 100 metres deep in some places, and it's part of a 9,000-kilometre uh, round-trip for me and a few kilometres less for our mighty producer, Neil White, but it's eventually going to be Barcelona, Oslo Airport, Suna, back to Oslo Airport, across to Brussels, then Manchester, then London, and then eventually Barcelona, in my case. um, We knew we wanted to speak to Sven because he's characterful, articulate, um, deeply interesting and has been highly successful. We knew too um, that so much has been written and said about his time with England and given that we've got a a well-educated worldwide audience here on the big interview, that we wanted to go back to what is a golden age for many of us, that age when Italian football, Serie A, at least never mind the national team, was by far the greatest football competition in the world, packed with stars, teams playing at their brilliant best. And Sven Jor and Eriksen went over there and for some years became dominant. He has a litany of Coppa Italia wins, some Super Coppas. A European final appearance, um, which backed up the fact that he'd taken uh, Benfica to the final of the competition that became the Champions League. But 20 years ago this season, he became only the second Swede to win the title in Italy. The first man will come up in this podcast. His name is Nils Liedholm, and he was part of the Granoli Swedish trio up front for Milan in record-breaking form in the 50s. But let me reassure you, it's not all about the 50s. It's about Sven Joran Eriksson telling us some of the most intriguing, some of the most startling stories, producing the best conversation, some of the best moments of conversation in the entire history of this podcast when he talks about... Uh, Roberto Mancini when he talks about Mantovani, the Sampdoria president, when he talks about Cragniotti at Lazio, when he talks about Luca Viali, Mihailović and Veron. This is a funny, uh, acerbic, intelligent man in full flow. And I'd like to thank his kind of cute labradoodle, Amy. You'll hear her at some stage during the interview. And... In all honesty, you're gonna get a cast of characters over this interview that any fan of Football Italia era will drool over, and any of you that weren't able to watch the Channel Four broadcasts back in the nineties will love hearing it all about. As soon as we sat down, Sven started talk to talk about how he'd agreed to join Blackburn Rovers before Lazio approached him. We pressed record and kept on going.
3: We signed the contract, and I said, shall we go down and see the city? No, Sven, he said, it's better not. (laughs) (laughs) Blackburn, (laughs) an honest man. Anyhow, I went home to Genoa, Santoria, and two days later, Craig Notti of Lazio phoned and said, Sven, come. We will do a project, and we will going to win. I invest even more money. So I said to Jack Walker, please... And he said, no, you have to come, you have to come. And during that time, Inter did badly with Hodgson. Roy left, yeah. became available. Yes. So when that came out, uh, Jack Walker told me, okay, Sven, I pay, uh, what do you say? A penalty. A penalty. No, no, he said. Good luck, he said. Hugo. go. Wow.
2: That doesn't happen a lot. Incredible, in
3: incredible, very, very nice. So just a, apart from successful, mm. a decent man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and all, the whole family, because it was public that I had signed the contract. Yeah. And then when I took England years after, I went to Blackburn to see, and I thought the family here they will not say hello to me, or I all hugs and oh, So nice. That's fantastic. Very, very good. But.
2: The other side of that is that you Mm -hmm. behaved like an honourable man. You said, please, this is what's happened. You didn't just walk off or
3: say, I'm leaving. You had a conversation, which is the basis for good things happening. I went there. He came to Milano. We met many times to, to sort it out. At the end, he said, the contract, and Sven, he said, I understand you. Well, you mentioned a guy called Cragnotti who phoned
2: you, and it was Cragnotti Senior, I guess. Senior, yes. President of the, the Albi Celeste, the light blues of Rome. Yeah. First of all... Before, Ciro. It was the name of the Ciro his was company. His, his, and sponsors on the front of Sponsor, the jersey. yeah. OK. Yeah, yeah. So cragnotti and Lazio and Sven make a, a perfect marriage, and we're going to talk about the footballers, the trophies. But a lot of people here don't have the privilege that you've had and I've had of... Going to Rome and understanding its division, <clears throat> what Lazio looks like, feels like, behaves like, where the training ground is, the mountains around the city, the, the, the retiros, the, the hotels you go and stay in when you're in Concentrazioni. Describe your vision of Lazio now that you remember it, when you first came to it,
3: the club, the badge, the idea. Yeah, you know. Before that, I had been in Italy for many years and the first club I had in Italy was Roma and we're talking about 1984. And the first time I went to Italy really was one year before. I went to like a spy to see Roma when I had Benfica because we met in the quarterfinal of UEFA Cup at that time. And when I landed at the airport in Rome and taxi into the city I said I want to live here (laughs) I want to live in this city and then I went to see football and even more I wanted to come to Italy and one year later it became the reality that I, I signed for Roma and then after many years Lazio and Lazio of course the chairman he wanted to win because Lazio hadn't won any titles for 20 years something like that when I came there and they only won one title in, in their history. So Kragnotti, he wanted to, and he was extremely good to me and to the team. If I asked for a player, he did everything to, to make me happy. And, and make the fans happy. To be specific, you didn't
2: say to give me a, a hard driving box-to-box central midfielder. You could name, I, I'd like this player, yes. and he'd find this player for you.
3: Well, I found as much them. as he could. I found them and he listened to the price and then he said too much right? <laughs> <laughs> we bought Cristian Vieri from Atletico Madrid and the amount of money that cost was the highest ever paid for a football player. World transfer record. World transfer record. And then, then Kragnotti was good too. And Kragnotti said because Atletico Madrid they wanted Nedved and uh, Jugovic and we take Christian Vieri and Cragnotti asked me, can we, can we give away this place? No, President, we cannot do that. And what shall we do then? And well, we have to pay. Well, Cragnotti looked at the directors of Athletic Madrid and said, OK, we pay then. <laughs> and broke the world record. <laughs> and it took 10 minutes. The whole, uh, incredible. That's impossible. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. But... And the money came from his company?
2: I suppose so. Yeah I, uh, this isn't an accountancy exercise but to for Lazio to break the world record is extraordinary yeah,
3: yeah. but one year later Vieri wanted to leave he wanted to go to Inter Inter and I told Kragnotti and if you want to leave you leave and then he beat the world record again so Kragnotti earned a lot of money he got money Christian back Bieri. on it
2: yeah, yeah. but
3: you said that he Crag- got money back and winning profit. a lot yeah, a lot of
2: profit but you said that wanted, um, and his son was involved also yeah both Cragnotti Junior yes. so you went to what was called a family club but if we're honest about it Roma is the more successful and more famous Yes. Cragnotti, even how much he believed in your quality has to be brave to hire a former Roma manager
3: <laughs> yeah it has passed some years uh, since I was a Roma manager but uh... Uh, Yeah, yeah, the brave, you're right. There was no reaction from the media or the fans? I'm surprised. No, because I didn't go from Roma to Lazio. Mm -hmm. I went from Roma to Fiorentina, then Benfica, then Santuria, and then Lazio. I really thought their memories were longer than that.
2: And when, so describe, because you said that first trip to to go and look at Roma, you were like, I have to live here. But they play in Stadio Olimpico, which is, for British tastes, it's too much of a ball. There's a running track. The atmosphere yeah. can be up or down, and also it's the club where the fans, if they're unhappy, they will they will turn up at the training ground and they turn do. over your cars <laughs> or they do.
3: <laughs> yes, you're right. The stadium is not a football stadium, no. <clears throat> but when it's full, the atmosphere is great. When you have the derbies, for example, Roma-Lazio, it's incredible. But it's a pity that uh, almost no club in in Italy, they don't have football stadiums. Because they're owned by the
2: city more or less, right? community, yeah.
3: And the training ground, describe the training ground. Training ground, Roma has a very good training ground and Lazio even better, Formello. Formello? Beautiful, beautiful. it's like a five-star hotel when you're coming in there. Describe the facilities in the field. Was it the best you'd trained on? At that time it was the best, yeah. we were, had too few pitches, that was the only problem. But the hotel, the accommodation, the offices, the pitches, the quality,
2: fantastic. And you had to construct this squad, but for people that were trying to bring them back to the 20th anniversary of, of you becoming only the second Swede to win a Scudetto, Serie A. But you had choices of goalkeeper, but your number one keeper would have been Mark Gianni. But then you look at your squad and talk about Giuseppe Favalli, Fernando Couto... Sinisa Mihailovic, Alessandro Nesta, Palo Negro, Pancaros, Insini, then in the midfield Almeida, Lombardo, Marcolin, Nedved, Sergio Concisao, Diego Simeoni, Stankovic, Verón, Boxic,
3: Insagi, Salas. It, it's one of the best squads ever assembled. I had, I had a fantastic football team. And not only extremely good football players, they were winning mentality, all of them. And you know, when I came to Lazio, there were three players who's been there for a long time. And they were not really positive about that we can win. They said, we can never win. Lazio will never win. And one was uh, Kassiragi. He went to Chelsea, I think. Gigi Kassiragi, striker. One was Rambaudi, and one was Beppe Signori. They were all big heroes I told Cragnotti away with them, all three. We have to change mentality. Not really technically good football players, but the mentality. And he listened to me after a lot of discussions because he said, I cannot, Sven, I cannot sell Beppe Signore. The fans will be crazy. Because of the three, he was the best. best, They became crazy. Furious. (laughs) Yeah, They
2: would have killed me if they got the chance. Remember that people listening don't know the techniques of a manager. Not just a coach, of a manager. How did you... Did did they tell you that we'll never win? These three guys, how did they betray
3: this bad attitude, this losing attitude to you? Beppe Signore was, of course, the captain of the team. uh, And he should be. He was uh, regular in the Italian national team. He was the best goalscorer in the country. He was a big hero. But you expect from a captain to be positive. We shall win next game. We will win the Scudetto. We will win everything and helping. But he was not. He has been there so many years and sees so many delusions uh, that they started well then after Christmas, nothing. So he, he said, "Ah, we're happy here. We earn a lot of money, a lot of fans, but we will never win anything. And hearing that every day, but not only me, but the other players. It's Yeah, You can't have people around you
2: like that. In your first year, when you go in 97, 98, you know, you win the cup. So, I mean, we'll come to the Scudetto, but you, you go in, as you've done throughout your life, you manage to imbue a winning
3: attitude. And... No. We won the cup. One week later we played the final in UEFA Cup against Inter. I was there. You were there, yeah. And during the season, you, the second game, you beat Inter 3-0 easily? Yes. You took them apart? Yes. But we, we played the Italian Cup a Wednesday. No, Sunday. And then Wednesday we played uh, the final. In Paris, Parti yeah. France. prince And I felt, no, this team, they have won a title and they've been partying for two days in Rome and... All the fans, now Lazio, have won the title 20 years since the last one. So we were not a winning team. We were not mentally prepared. So the winning attitude you're talking about would be win the
2: cup, go to bed, wait, go to Paris, and win we, again. Yes, and we didn't. And you noticed on the day in Paris that, that they were not right?
3: Yeah, we were not there. <coughs> we lost 3-0. Not a chance we had. And they had
2: Teribo West sent off. But you were playing against a very, very good side. That yeah, inter side with Ronaldo at his top top. He was very, very good. But you reckon it was more to do with your players and that they weren't? It was mentally.
3: We were not there. You can lose that game, but not as we lost it. Very so
2: bad. So how do you, did you take that lesson and say to them, look, look what you've done, look what's happened? Because, OK, so you didn't win two trophies in five days... But the Coppa
3: victory was a stepping stone to the big victory in the coming season. But then, some years later, when we won the league, 2000, that was a Sunday. Wednesday, we had the final against Inter, of Lippi, in the Italian Cup, the final. And I thought, we're going up there, we played that game away, so I thought we will not win this time. And Lippi said to me, Sven, now you've been winning the league. You've been winning a lot of titles. Let me win this uh Sven, you're in action.
2: <laughs> I, I don't believe you.
3: Lippi said... Yeah, yeah, it's my turn. I said to Lippi, I'm sure you will win because we are not been training almost since we won the league. But then it was a winning team. because you, We I th- went out there and we cruised. I think it, the, it was two games and I think maybe you drew
2: the first one and you win the second one 2-1? One. yes. And we played very well. You did play very well. And that was three days after we won the league. Let me, let me tell the listeners who you beat with Inter, uh, with the great Marcello Lippi on the bench. I, I'm OK to call him the great Marcello Lippi? Absolutely. OK. Angelo Peruzzi, Christian Panucci, Xavier Zanetti, Laurent Blanc, Michele Serena, Ivan Cordova, Francesco Morieri, Clarence Seedorf, Ben Coye, Roberto Baggio, Adrian Muto, playing for Inter with Gigi Di Biagio on the bench, Ronaldo on the bench, Samarano. Good team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
3: Expensive team. (laughs) And you say you cruised it, or you you won? Yeah, yeah, we won, we won. And I, uh, then I was, I think I was my most happiest day in Lazio, because then uh, they showed that winning team. They hated to lose.
2: I'm not going to ask a lot about Alex Ferguson, but he had a big influence on my life. He he, he taught my club to win European trophies when I was a reporter. I was very close to Manchester United when they won the treble. There are so many incidents where he's had an influence on how I think or how I behave or also lots of enjoyment. But famously, he said, when they won the treble and they beat Juventus in the semi-final in 1999. Bayern in final. And Bayern in the final, exactly, in Camp Nou, a place that you know very <coughs> well. United had been having a lot of trouble with Juventus for years, and Juventus of Lippi, to the extent that Juventus kept knocking them out. And Juventus in '99 were a team, as you know, which had not been knocked out of Europe for about seven years. They'd either won the final or lost the final, won the final, lost the final in UEFA Cup, Champions League. So when they're knocked out in the semi-final by um, United after leading um, the 1-1 at Old Trafford and 2 nil at uh, Comunale, no, at uh, Dele Alpi, Ferguson said something in his book that he looked across the, the, the other bench and he said, I was really pleased to only see Ancelotti there, not Lippi. So Lippi is this big sort of Paul Newman, Leonine figure. <laughs> he looks like the king of the jungle. He looks like a royal lion, Lippi, with his big cigar and his imposing manner and his victories. Oh. <clears throat> but that turned to focus on Ancelotti and Ferguson wasn't trying to put Ancelotti down. He was talking Utlipi. But even a character as big as Ferguson felt the confidence to win because it was Ancelotti, not Lippi. Now, Ancelotti is a guy you, you coached at Roma. Mm-hmm. And then when we come to the big part of this story of yours, you're on the opposite bench from him. So first of all, like you did with Serov. Tell us about the Ancelotti you know, from the guy you inherited in midfield at Roma and coached, to the guy that you opposed when he was playing against you and also coaching against you. Tell us the things about Ancelotti that you know from a close working life.
3: Well, you're talking about two Italian guys, first class, both of them, like human beings. Lippi is a fantastic man and Ancelotti maybe even better. Uh, Ancelotti is coming from his father was a farmer outside Parma. So Ancelotti holidays when he didn't play football he went to drive the tractor on the father's (laughs) (laughs) uh, land. Anyhow I had Ancelotti for three years in Roma and I made him captain. I took the captain from Falcao when he finished and gave it to Ancelotti. Falcao was some. Uh, <clears throat> was he was he quite a good midfield player? Or? He was probably the best ever player
2: I had. But you took the ban from him and you gave it. No, to... No, he he finished. He left.
3: Yeah, he, because he, of injury. He quit. Yeah. So Ancelotti, um, I left Roma because of uh, yeah other reasons. But when I left. Uh, the owner of Roma, uh, Senatore Viola, he said, I'm going to sell Ancelotti because I think he's finished. What because of you, knees or injuries? Knee. Both, yeah. yeah. Both knees. Yeah. Ancelotti, when he woke up in the mornings, he couldn't walk. Uh, he was limping. And, but he never missed the training and he never missed the match. So I said to Viola, even if I should leave, I said, don't sell him. Whatever you do, don't sell him. He's the most important guy you have in this team. Loyal, hardworking, intelligent. Not a brilliant football player, but uh, playing against him, you felt it. He sold him because he said he's finished. He sold him to Milan. And Ancelotti had five years there. And he won everything you can win. And he played more or less every game. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Champions League, Champions League. Champions League, he won the... playing for Saki, playing for sake, Capello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's about him. And then I met him as a player, of course, when he was there. And then I met him as a coach. Then I've been him uh, two or three times when he was a coach of Chelsea. Because I had Drogba and I had Ivory Coast at that time. Always a gentleman. Great man. And... Uh, he was happy in England. The only thing he was not happy with, Sven, Lunch time here in Chelsea eating. No wine. I don't know why. <laughs> Italian. He wanted one glass of wine to, to the meals.
2: Oh, we take a long time to change culturally, although in Scotland we're quite fond of wine. Maybe at the wrong times. But <laughs> you'd never have a problem asking for a wine with lunch in no. Scotland. Then I'm too tempted, it's too magnetic to, to ask you more about Lippi because... When I was younger, I was a reporter with Tommy Burns, the Celtic manager, we went over and it was the year that Juve will win the Champions League, so I guess 95 ish something like that. And he told me that I swore to myself when I was a player that if I became a coach, we would attack, we would be flowing, we would have three up front. Lippi, when you were there, when you were in Italy or when you were in European football, must have been a presence of Feeling that you're, you're watching one of them, genuinely one of the European masters.
3: Yes, you know, Lippi and I, we became friends in Italy, and then we were opponents in China of as course, well during uh, many years. And we always betted in China who is going to win the next game we met, paying the dinner. I paid more dinners than he did, he had a very good team. Anyhow, he's a great man. And uh, his way of playing football is very... I don't think he came with something new. He made football very simple. Use your head, make it simple. Attacking football, yes, he always liked to attack. Tactically, very good. And I think, I don't know that, but I'm quite sure that the players loved him. In the way he took care of the players, he treated the players and, and so on. In China, he became extremely popular amongst the players in the club he had and then with the national team so because I, I think Lippi is bigger in China than he is in Italy if, if that's possible <laughs> I had no idea oh huge so but that is even though he he hasn't
2: dominated the language so they're always the yeah, 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 the, yeah. the media the public but yeah. also some of his players they're hearing him in a, through a translator and yet yeah, the yeah. character still comes through
3: yes because of actions well, he had a team called uh, Evergrande, Guangzhou Evergrande, and I had the other team, so we lived in the same city. And he, I think he won three or four titles in a row with that team. He had the best team, but anyhow, it's difficult. Then he took the national team, then he quitted the national team. He said, I want to go back to Italy, Viareggio. Ah, you've got enough, he said. One year later, he had the national team again. <laughs> Football's better for guys like that, but the reason
2: I'm... One, I'm fascinated by these guys that you knew and worked with or opposed. But that season that you've built yourself up towards and where you know you've got a winning mentality team because you beat Lippi's Inter in a cup from 1-0 down. I have to point out that apart from it being a brilliant achievement and never mind that you had a fantastic squad, it's one of the best European seasons Ninety nine, two thousand. Ultimately you win by one point. You win more than one trophy. But you you're fighting with Juventus, which is always it's a Pandora's bo- yes. But it's a big Pandora's box. You know, in some of your seasons you finish seventh, you win the cup, the not winning mentality team, then I think you've probably finished second, then you win. But I mention it because it was it was Ancelotti's Juve you beat, right? Yes. So the first thing that we can't get away from is what sensation did you have about the power of Juventus and Moji when you're in Rome particularly? <laughs> it, it, it's a fact.
3: So it, it... Yeah, it is. Uh, many things to comment about that. First of all, Italy is a little bit like Spain. If you win the league in Italy, Scudetto, with a team not Juventus, Inter or Milan, It's huge. It's a miracle. It's like winning the league in Italy, in Spain, not Barcelona or Real Madrid. So, when we won with Lazio, it's 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 big because you win it, but it's not Juventus or Milan or Inter. That makes it huge. It's always like that. Roma's been winning, and if you see the story, I would guess ninety ninety five percent of. Uh, the times winning the Scudetto it's always these three
2: I'm (laughs) not trying to take you into dangerous territory but even though even in the 90s before Carciopolis even as a Scot as a reporter travelling to Italy you knew about Moji in fact yes yes yes, even the journalist kind of boasted about Moji Moji doesn't just control Juve Mm. he controls the referees (laughs) and he tells which club they can which player each club can have he's so powerful that If Atalanta want, uh, I don't know, Dario Fusar, yeah, okay, you can have him because we're... This is what we were told in the 90s. So when you've coached there so long, you've seen this figure of Luciano Moji... Um, The Fiat family, the Onjube, the quality of players and coaches, nobody's criticising the fact that they were brilliantly managed and brilliant to play. But there was a a second force in Italian football. You had to beat them on the pitch, and maybe you had
3: to at least be streetwise off the pitch too. Yeah, Yeah, Moji, you're right, he controlled everything. He was very powerful and very clever and very arrogant. He couldn't uh, care less about others than Juventus, and what he did or not did, I don't know. No, but what he did was not clean always. That's for sure. But does Cragniotti speak to you? But does
2: do people warn you and say, "Listen, everybody, it's like this"?
3: Everybody knew, or talked about that. If you play Juventus, the referee will not be in your favor. Everybody knew that, and everybody talked about it. But Juventus, you know. The power of the family Agnelli is incredible. After two years in Roma, talking about 84, 85, 86, I got an offer from Juventus. And I said no, I wanted to stay in Roma. I wanted to win the league with Roma because I also had one more year contract or two more years. The time went on and then we played Juventus away and into the dressing room comes Agnelli. The big guy. And he said, I want to say a word to the coach. To me. In front of your players? No, not really. He took me a a little bit apart. And he said, on his way of talking uh, Italian, very strange, but anyhow, he said, I always knew that Eriksson is a very good coach. But, he said, I didn't know that he's a stupid man. And that's always why he said... He's the only one during my time who said no to Juventus. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't... uh...
2: It was my instinct, I didn't want to interrupt, my instinct immediately when you told that is that you've made an enemy for (laughs) sure. Of course. (laughs) Of him, of the family,
3: of Moji. But he he was very clear in his way and also a little bit elegant to tell what in hell did you do? (laughs) I suppose there was that yeah.
2: point, and in the time, in the period, maybe you would have been taken over from Trapattoni. I don't remember, but they yes, got, it
3: was all after Trapattoni.
2: They go to Champions League final um, back in in Iceland that period also.
3: Yeah, but the year after and the year after that, they didn't. They were not successful. They needed you. No, they, but I don't know. They but their
2: choice was right. Is what I mean. They, they, yeah. In planning but ahead, they had of,
3: two years of uh, not winning anything, and that's not. Normal for you. So, in, in s- so take us to that summer, a
2: bits of a it. The summer of 99. So you've you've won all your life. You've been a trophy lifter. All your life, everywhere. Two seasons of Lazio already, two trophies. Changing in the mentality of the squad. First of all, that summer, Sovieri goes for a profit. Well done, cragnotti <laughs> Well done, Sven. In comes a lot of play. Simone Inzaghi, the, the, the less famous of the two brothers, but Simone Inzaghi comes in to your squad that summer. So does uh, Veron, and, and so does a guy, Cholo Simeone. Take me to, mentally, your appreciation of that summer. The, did you know in your mind's eye, this is our title season, what was the atmosphere like? Could you tell, now looking back at the summer work, that something
3: exceptional mm-hmm. was going to happen or not? Well, I always thought that, oft, especially after the first year, that this team, we will win uh, Scudetto. Uh, and Carnotti, he went on to listen to me. Well, he didn't really listen to me, because when I signed the contract, I told him, listen, if you buy me three players, I promise you, Lo Scudetto. Which three are the, the, those he said? I said, it's Mancini... It's Mihailovic and it's Verón. I had all three in Sampdoria. And he took Mancini. Second year he took Mihailovic, Mihailovic and third year he took Verón. So when we won the league, the first thing I did was, I went to Krainotti, I told (laughs) him, what did I tell you some years ago? Here you have your Scudetto. We could have won three, I told him, joking. And he told me, Sven, it's it's good, it's enough with one, he said. (laughs) And Mancini had been
2: the triquatista, he'd been the magical player behind the striker. Oh,
3: I mean, every striker who played with Mancini, they will say he he was the best. Luca Viali was in our series and he does say that. He said that, of course. (sighs) (laughs) That was a couple. Yeah. Yeah, on and off the pitch, he explained. Yeah, of course. Crazy. You know, when I came to Sampdoria, I was in Benfica, and um, they phoned me, so I private plane to Monaco. And I met um, not Mantovani. Mantovani, the president, yeah. And uh, Viale and Mancini. He started there and he said, well, mister, he said, I don't really understand football, but these two guys here, he said, they got into the head that they want Sven Eriksson. So that's why we are here.
2: <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> so they were uh, negotiating. When, when, when you have Vialli and Mancini saying, we've picked you over, he's like, where do I sign? Yeah. I mean.
3: Yeah. So he said, I'm here to take you as a coach. Well, after talking lunch and talking football and talking, he said, OK, now we talk money. And he said, Mancini, you two, out. <laughs> he treated them like... His own son. The
2: kids, yeah.
3: yeah. So he took a uh, paper and a napkin. a napkin. And he wrote and he said, That's the money I pay you. <laughs> I, I looked at it. And he, he thought, I, I can see that you're not happy. And he took a new <laughs> one no, and he wrote a bigger. So no, I told him, I, I'm happy, I, but I didn't think you paid that much. <laughs> okay, now you have. The bigger one, he said. And then he said, if not half of that money is paid before the season starts, you don't need to come if you don't want, and you can sue me. He paid half of the salary before the season started. I've never heard I I never like it. about it. But he was Mantovani. If you had that power to go back now,
2: what would you change about your time as England manager? Let's say we had the power to go back, like in fantasy football and say... <laughs> Here's what I'll change.
3: In Germany, 2006, I would have taken in a mental coach for penalties. And I was thinking about it and I didn't because we were talking about it, Thor and myself, and and we thought, no, this team is mentally strong, we have good players, so it didn't happen. And a mental
2: coach can make the difference in penalties?
3: Who knows. (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's a very Almost. fair
3: answer.
2: I should have tried that at least. I have to stop on something that has always excited me since I was a kid. Maybe you're used to the expression in Britain about somebody being an anorak. But when now I, I've met and reported on <coughs> Ronaldo and Messi and their specialness is easy to describe. And We look at their numbers. They've, they've played 600 games and they've scored 590 goals. And then people say, OK... But remember Gerd Muller, remember Franz Puskas, remember Jimmy Greaves, fine. But when I first became aware of Italian football, and you know what I'm going to talk about, there was for Milan in the 50s, when you were a very young man, I accept, this Grenoli, Oli. Greno Lee, yep. Yeah. Of, of three Swedish guys. Let's see if I can do them. Gunnar Gren, uh, Gunnar Nordahl and Nils Liedholm. Yes. And if you take little bits out of each of the names, it yeah, becomes Greno yeah. Lid. <laughs> Only two guys, two Swedish guys have won Scudetto, ever. Nils Liedholm and you. Lidholm, yeah. Again, thinking of, there probably isn't a single person listening who saw them, maybe some who know about them. Do us a favor.
3: Yeah. Tell I, us about them. Personally, I, I met them, all three, when they were older. But... We talked before about Mancini and Beckham if they come in here. Nils Lidl, he was a little bit the same. If he came into the room, you feel the presence of him. And he was, as a, as a football player, he was fantastic. And Midfielder? Midfielder. He said to me once, after two and a half years in Milan as a player, he said, I missed the pass. <laughs> and he said, the whole San Siro went up, <laughs> applauding, and they said, ah, he's human. <laughs> so he had a lot of self-confidence. He was, he was, as a player, of course, extremely good. I think he won uh, Olympic medals. For yes, they won Olympic t- 48. in 48 together, correct. And he played World Cup 58, I think, with Sweden, when he became second. Going to the final against Pelé's Brazil. Yeah, But as a coach, he became even more famous because he was Lidholm. Some people will remember him from the
2: Liverpool-Roma European Cup final. Of course. Held in Stadio Olimpico when Graubelard does his crazy legs. Lidholm is the coach of that side, having won the title already. But he's also part of this... I mean, Nordal played for one of the sides you coach, so you weren't at the same time, but
3: Stegerfuss.
2: Stegerfurs. <clears throat> but he finishes this this is what I mean in the fifties. How did three Swedish guys end up in Milan? Milan already considered itself the centre of the world. They and Inter were about to become very dominant in their country, but also in Europe, especially Inter.
3: And three Swedes? Yeah. Gunnar Nordahl was the first one. I think that was 48 49. Correct, said. 49. Well 49, done. Yeah. And he was the first one coming from Sweden and he did the uh, success. He was He's still the all-time third top yeah, scorer yeah. in Serie A so ever. After, so after that Italian clubs they started to look ah, at okay. Swedish players. Okay. So there were a lot of them going there. And he finished his career with 442 games.
2: Goals in 504 games. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad even just to have made, maybe people now, listen people, this is your homework. Go to the li- library, you don't know what a library is. Go on the internet and look up Grenoli, look up Nordal, Gren and Leedholm. But um, hopefully after this interview, you don't have to look up any details of and Eriksson, master coach, winner throughout his life. Still a guy who should be coaching now, maybe will be coaching now, but currently celebrating the 20th anniversary of becoming champion of Italy, giving Mancini his only title, giving Cragnotti his only title. Sven, you're You're a very special man, and and this has been fun. Thank you for joining the big interview. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Campione.
3: Campione. Campione. Molto grazie. (laughs)